hour and his direction in the new year. So I hope you're making plans to be here next Sunday and look forward to sharing with you what God has put on our heart. I hope that you've already taken advantage of the daily Bible reading schedules that we are giving out. I'm going to give you an opportunity, one last opportunity at the end of service to have one. Uh, These are the daily Bible reading calendars for 2020. And these are a free gift to you from some of our folks here in our church had these made up. And it's important that we stay in God's word throughout the new year. David said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And folks, if we'll just take God's word and hide it in there, you'll be amazed at how the Holy Spirit will use it and lead you and guide you throughout your day. And so if you don't have one of these at the end of the service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to have one. Our ushers will pass those out. And I hope many of you have already got in there and started your daily Bible reading. Also, I did want to mention to you in our bookstore, we have several devotionals. They're 365 day devotionals. They're one page, okay? One page. Uh, This is not like you have to read a whole book every day. There's one page and it gives you a little bit of an encouragement throughout the days. We go throughout different seasons of the year. Uh, My family just finished one and we started a new one on the first. And it's just a great time of devotion personally as far as your families. I want to encourage you dads here this morning. I hope that you're man enough. Look, we're man enough to teach our kids to hunt and to fish and I love all of that. We teach our kids how to play ball and that's great. But I hope you're man enough to teach your kids how to walk through the Word of God. Listen, have a little bit of courage and let's teach our kids how to study the Word of God and get in there at night and get there in the morning and spend some time with our kids in the Word of God. Look, there's no pictures, okay? Uh, You're going to have to grow up a little bit and read some stories without pictures, but these are great times of devotion for you and your family. Get by the bookstore. This is not a sales promotion or anything like that. It's hard to find good godly literature out there, and so our church provides a service of an opportunity of sifting through uh, some really good material for you, your family, and your home home. And so be sure that you take uh, advantage of those opportunities. At the end of the service, I'll give you an opportunity uh, to have one of the daily Bible reading charts. It won't cost you anything and that'll allow you to get in there. I don't know about you, but I have to make myself be disciplined. Uh, If you don't make yourself be disciplined in your devotions, you're probably not going to do it. And I think America's obesity rate kind of gives us an idea that that fact is true, correct? Well, I'm going to go on a diet and I'm going to eat better. Well, America is showing that we have no discipline. So a daily Bible reading schedule will help you be more disciplined in that and allow the Lord to use his word. This is not just so you can say at the end of the year, I read through the Bible. It's so that you'll have an opportunity to see all the things that God has put in there just for you. And then you let the Holy Spirit take his word and work in your life and you'll be amazed. You'll be amazed. You'll be tempted to do wrong. You'll be tempted to maybe go in a different direction and how the Holy Spirit will take some of those words that you've read and stir your heart and guide you in the right direction. So let's be sure we get the year started off right. It's still not too late uh, to get involved in all of that. Let me say one more time uh, several thank yous as we kind of close out 2019. Thank you to everybody who who helped and worked to get all the decorations put up the other night. And it's kind of disappointing not to see a deer head hanging in the church anymore. And I kind of tried to figure out maybe a new theme for the new year where we could keep them in here, but uh, my wife said that's probably not a good idea. So uh, we'll go on a different route on that, but thank you so much to all who put together wonderful services at the end of the year. Really enjoyed that and look forward to all that God has planned in the new year. Thank you for all of the things you did for us during the Christmas season. Uh, My wife is in the process of writing thank you cards. And uh, you need my wife to write that. You don't want me to write them because I write in hieroglyphics. That way nobody can ever 
forge my signature because that's why I do that. And, uh, and then we had uh, our birthdays, January the 1st and January the 4th, and we received so much from you folks, so be patient on the thank you cards, okay? Don't get mad if it's, you know, June or July before you get yours because it's going to take a while, okay? Let's, uh, let's this morning to go ahead and jump in, in the Word if we could. Genesis chapter number 12. Genesis chapter number 12. I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'm excited about next Sunday, jumping into the message next Sunday as we look at the new vision for the new year and the, and the church. Um, but uh, we have one Sunday before we get there. So the Lord gave us something to help kind of tie 2019 and 2020 together. In Genesis chapter number 20, when you find it, and if you can, let's go ahead and stand to our feet in honor of the reading of God's word. I'm going to share a very simple thought with you today, and it's a basic Bible principle that I have preached on since I've been here, uh, but I believe this is what God would have us to go with today, and uh, looking forward to the message. Genesis chapter 12, we will read several other passages in Genesis, but we'll read one, and we'll pray and let you be seated. Genesis 12, 1, the Bible says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, and to a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Let's stop and pray. Father, I do thank you for a new year. And Lord, we don't know if we have 12 full months of 2020, but I thank you for today. And Lord, I pray that this day that you've given us, Lord, that we will take full advantage of it. Lord, for the word that will be preached, help us to receive it. Uh, Lord, for the speaking of the Holy Spirit, help us to heed that this morning. I pray that we would leave here having done your will. And Lord, if you bless us with another day tomorrow, help us to seek to build upon what you've given us today. Bless, Lord, your word as it's preached. Lord, give us what we need. And Lord, even beyond that, speak to our hearts in a way that only you can. And Lord, we'll give you the glory for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I always get excited about new, the new year uh, because new years often provide us with uh, at least a psychological opportunity for a clean slate. In all reality, January the 1st is just uh, another day, another calendar day of the year, but starting over a brand new year, matter of fact, we're starting a brand new decade, uh, it gives us an opportunity to have a clean slate, an opportunity to look forward, and we have all of these resolutions and plans, and we're anticipating what God wants to do in the new year, and anticipating what we're going to look like at the end of the year, maybe lose some weight a little bit, and uh, maybe get a little bit stronger, or maybe learn a little bit more, maybe go back to college, something like that, and we look forward to moving on from 2019. It's kind of like the day after Christmas, uh, you know, Christmas season goes on for about a, a good solid month and you've got decorations everywhere, but not long after Christmas is over, you're ready for those decorations to come down, uh, ready to get them in the tubs and let's look toward a fresh start in 2020. And I certainly understand that. Look, if you had failures in 2019, it's kind of nice to turn your back on 2019 and look toward 2020. You had disappointments, or maybe you had some grief or some pain in 2019, and you are, are looking forward to putting that behind you, uh, looking forward to a new year in 2020. I can understand that, and nobody likes to relive times of disappointment and grief and pain, but this morning before we move on, next Sunday, we're going to have Vision Sunday. It's my first Vision Sunday being here, and everywhere I've ever been, Vision Sunday is one of my favorite times of the year, because I'll get to share with you what God's put on my heart, and undoubtedly, I know that what, what is in there and what is stirring in my heart for our church is from God. And I'm looking
looking forward to what God wants to do in 2020. But before we move on to 2020, I really do believe that God would have us reach back a little bit and reach back into 2019 and make sure that, that we bring along into 2020 some things from 2019. Now, I want to encourage you and set you at ease. We're not going to bring our failures along with us, our disappointments. Look, I don't like thinking about my failures. I don't like looking at my disappointments. Look, there's sometimes I'll preach a message and I'll tell my wife that hit flat on the floor and I don't like to talk about it. I don't want to go back and re-listen to it. I don't want to revisit it. I want to look forward to the next one. So we're not going to look back at our failures and disappointments, but there are some things I believe that 2020 could be helped by if we would bring them back from 2019. You say, well, what are they? Well, simply they are the things that we learned in 2019. There's some things that God allows us to learn that it will help shape our 2020 if we take the lessons that we learned from 2019 and bring them with us. But so often we, uh, we live out the quote that if we do not learn from our past, we are doomed to repeat it or destined to repeat it. And sadly, oftentimes, God's people keep repeating the past, the disappointments of the past, the failures of the past, because we fail to bring the lessons that we learned from the past into our future. Now, folks, I want you to understand, sometimes lessons come at very expensive cost, and it would do well for us to reach back into 2019 and to bring some of those lessons with us. If you discovered the key to God's blessings in 2019, I think that'd be a great lesson to bring with you into 2020. How sad would it be for you to learn how to have God's blessings and providence and protection upon your life and have God's hand upon your life and you learn that in 2019? How sad would it be for you to forget that in 2020? How sad would it be for you to learn the consequences of disobedience in 2019? And not bring that lesson along with you in 2020. Years ago, I, <clears throat> I heard the, the pastor of the church we were at when I was a kid tell a story. And it's probably a very common story, but it really brings this illustration to light this morning. That this man went to his doctor and <clears throat> he, he looked at his doctor and said, I need some help. And the doctor says, why? And he says, well, I burned my face. He said, well, how did you burn your face? And he turned around and looked. And on the guy's face, on the side of his face, there was the mark of an iron a household iron. He says, well, how did you do that? He says, well, I was ironing my clothes as I was watching television, you know, kind of multitasking there, and the phone rang, and instead of grabbing the phone, I grabbed the iron and stuck it up to my ear and burned my ear. And he says, oh, my goodness, you know, I, I can understand. That's an easy mistake to make, you know, phone and the iron kind of close by. And the doctor said, I just have one question for you. And he said, how did you burn the other ear? He says, well, they called back the second time. And we think, we think about that and we think about, you know, how ridiculous is that? Uh, but oftentimes we're just like the man with two burned ears. We get burned one time, we don't learn the lesson, and we go into 2020, we're going to burn this year because we wanted to leave 2019 behind us, and yet we had some lessons that we learned in 2019 that we needed to bring with us. I have a philosophy of life. <clears throat> I have uh, lived by it for years. I'm teaching my daughter. I told her, matter of fact, I think it was on Friday we talked about this, and she just mouthed it to me. She knows what I'm about to say, that life is about getting it right. It's one of my philosophies in life. Life is about getting it right. So what do you mean? Well, it means if you have disappointments and failures yesterday, let's learn from those disappointments and failures of yesterday and bring those lessons into today and help get today right. You're going to mess up every day. 
every day. But the sad thing is when we mess up and we do not learn from it. Look, do not waste a good failure. Do not waste disappointment. Do not waste grief. Do not waste pain. Learn from it and get life right by bringing those lessons forward. Sadly, I believe, according to the definition, myself included, oftentimes we are just insane. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. That's insanity. To think that you can keep putting your iron to your ear and not keep experiencing pain. If we are going to move forward in the will of God here this brand new year, we must bring with us the lessons of the past year. For those of you that have kids or maybe nieces or nephews or grandchildren, I'm sure you have used the phrase from time to time, they just won't learn. And you look at them and you're like, they just don't get it. They just, don't, they just won't learn. And I was thinking this morning as I was preparing to preach how often my father, not my dad, but my father, looks down at his child, his son, and says, he just won't learn. Why? Because we will not bring the lessons of the past into our future. Now, this morning, we're going to look at something very interesting because I made a wonderful discovery in the Word of God. And the Bible records for us the lessons of other people. All throughout the pages of Scripture, we, have, we can read intimate details of people's lives and their successes and their failures. And the Word of God becomes almost like a cheat sheet of life. We not only get to learn from our mistakes, we get to learn from other people's mistakes and also learn from other people's successes. And if we're willing... This morning, we can learn some lessons on life that will help us have a wonderful 2020. Now, Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 22, and Genesis chapter 16, we're going to see three lessons about life that Abraham learned. And God preserved these for us in his word. You know, God just wasn't filling time in by giving us a copy of his word. The reason God gave us his word, preserved for us his word, is so that we could both learn from the successes and failures of others on how we can have a future that's more bright, more blessed, and more useful to God. And Abraham provides us with three valuable lessons that we're going to learn this morning. And we're going to see what Abraham learned about life and how what Abraham learned about life can affect ours. So this morning, very simply, a transition message from 2019 to 2020. We're going to look at three lessons on life and three lessons that Abraham learned that we must understand this morning. So look at chapter 12. <clears throat> chapter 12, we see in verse number one where God is calling Abraham to his service The Bible says, and the Lord had said, there's the key word I want you to focus in on, unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. The first lesson this morning is the easiest lesson to learn, but I have to tell you, it's the most overlooked lesson. So often we try to seek out the mysteries of the word of God when truthfully most of the word of God is not a mystery. Notice this morning how Abraham knew what God wanted him to do. God did not hide it. God did not disguise it. He simply told him what he wanted. So number one this morning, the lesson I believe we need to learn and take with us into 2020, number one, some lessons are just taught. Some lessons are just taught. You say, what do you mean? Well, there's no no doubt about what God wants for us because God has told us what he wants for us. 
Now, folks, so often as we head into a new year and we head into new phases of our life, we forget one very valuable lesson of the past, and it's a lesson we should have learned in our childhood, and that is simply to obey. It's called obedience. I read a story about a French officer who asked the mother of George Washington how she inherited or how she came up with a such, such a wonderful child. She said, she said this very simply. She says, I simply taught him to obey. I simply taught him to obey. George Washington was who he was and succeeded at what he succeeded at and was used in the way he was used at because somewhere along in his life, he learned the very elementary but necessary lesson of obedience. Now, folks, if there's one lesson we must take with us into 2020, it's simply that some lessons from God are taught and all he desires that we do is do what he said. It's not hard. It's not rocket science. As a matter of fact, the King James Bible is written on a fifth grade reading level. I'm thankful God put it down low for us, aren't you? Puts it down there on the bottom shelf where we can understand exactly what he wants. And there was no need for Abraham to wonder, I wonder what God wants me to do. Oh, there's no doubt what God wanted him to do. Why? Because God simply spelled it out. Can I tell you this morning, the secret to the Christian life is that simply there's no secret. There's no secret. You ever meet these super Christians? There's a few of them in our, in our church. Boy, they, uh, you just feel like when they pray and talk to God that he's standing right there beside them. You ever met somebody like that? When they start praying, you kind of poke or peek out to make sure you feel like God's standing there right beside them. Where do super Christians come from? Or they just, God picks out his special children that he's going to give these special talents. No, the Bible says God's no respecter of persons. Well, how do certain Christians become the Christians that they are and have the opportunities that they have and are used of God the way that God uses them? I'll tell you, it's no secret. Oftentimes, it goes back to simple obedience to what God said. Sadly, we have to continually learn obedience over and over and over again. Years ago, I started getting phone calls that I had won these cruises to the Caribbean. For a while there, I thought I was the luckiest guy on the planet. Hello, is this Mr. Andrews? Yes, it is. We just called to inform you, you want a free cruise. I mean, I knew that living right was going to pay off. Joel Osteen said if I just sent him the money, that, man, I'd get free stuff all the time. So I, I talked to him on the phone. I said, okay, what do I need to do? Just mail me the tickets. Mail me the tickets. Well, you've got to pay a port tax. Uh, and then you gotta, you, you have to get there and back, and then you have to pay for anyone that comes along because it's for a party of two. And after a while, I realized I didn't really win anything. A few weeks later, I get a phone call. Is this Mr. Andrews? Yes. Look, you've won a uh, cruise to Cozumel. Yeah. It took me a while to learn the real deal that I really didn't win anything at all. Sometimes it takes us a while to learn, doesn't it? Now, folks, if there's one lesson we must learn early and bring with us each step of the way in our walk with God is that obedience is the key to God's blessings. Deuteronomy chapter 11, we see the, the children of Israel. He says, I set before evil and garrison the mountains a blessing and a curse. God just put it down there on the bottom level. We could understand it. He says, a blessing if you obey and a curse if you do not obey. God says, I want you to know the key to my blessings is obedience. I believe this morning, this is why David told us in Psalms 119, I rejoice at thy word. 
Why did David get so excited about the Bible? The same reason we should be excited about our daily Bible reading in 2020. David says, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. Now notice David is equating the word of God, what God has said, and great spoil. What is great spoil? It's not the way we think about spoil. Well, the other day, my wife, my wife told me to go to the grocery store and get some cheese. I love cheese. All different kinds of cheeses. And I brought home six packs of, of what is it, Greer or some kind of cheese and provolone and the cheese with the holes in it. I brought home all this kind of cheese. Well, I bought so much cheese that I couldn't eat it all before some of it spoiled. And there's nothing to ruin your night like getting ready for a hot ham and Swiss sandwich. And you pull a piece of that Swiss out, and instead of having holes in it, those holes have been filled in with a little bit of green on the inside. Now, I like blue cheese, but I don't like blue Swiss, you know, so I had to throw it away. It's spoiled. That's not what God is saying. David says, he says, I rejoice at thy word as one that findeth great spoil. These are the riches taken in war. David says, oh, there are great things on the other side at thy word. David didn't look at the word of God as a drudgery. David says, I believe it's the word that gives the key to great spoil. So David says, I want to hear the word. I want to know the word. Why? Because on the other side of the word, being obedience to the word of God, what God has said, that's how we find God's blessings. Folks, it's as simple as that. There's a book, I have not read it, but I've talked about it many, many times. An illustration. The author, his name is Forrest Finn, and the book is The Thrill of the Chase. Has anyone read the book, The Thrill of the Chase by Forrest Finn? Well, good. I'll get to inform you a little bit on it this morning. Forrest Finn is, I think he's in his late 80s. He's a multimillionaire, and he was concerned about American children not spending enough time outside, families doing things together. And so he took a little over two million, between two and three million dollars of his money. Had it converted over into gold coins, I think maybe some jewels, if I remember correctly. And he took it and he buried it out west, somewhere between the Santa Fe Mountains and Canada. I believe it's about a thousand miles of where that money is buried. He wrote the book called The Thrill of the Chase. Write it down. Some of you are going to set out tonight to go find it. Our crowd's going to be nothing tonight. I don't care if you go, as long as you find it and you tithe off of it when you do find it. Amen. So he wrote this book, and in the book, there's a 24-line poem that describes where it is hidden. All you have to do is buy the book, which he's not, he doesn't need the money from the book, but buy the book, read the poem, and be smart enough to figure out where he buried the money. Up until now, no one has found the money as of yet. It's still buried. It's a true story. He's not leading you on. He wanted to get people out and get families doing things out there in the mountains and, uh, you know, getting away from screens and televisions and things along that line. And there have been thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people who've bought the book, who've gone out west looking for it. And he, he knows, in fact, that there have been several people who have come within 200 yards of it but not found it yet. So here's the good news. It's still out there. Still out there. And people are scouring the mountainsides, taking their vacation time, driving up, selling their homes, buying Winnebago's and living at RV sites. Why? So that they could uncover the treasure that's hidden out there in those mountains. And they're scouring the pages of that poem, trying to lock in on exactly where that treasure's at. And when I first heard that story, I had to go back and find out if it was true. And I found out it was true. I thought to myself, if only we, and I say we, as the people of God would view this book the way they view his book. 
that hidden within the pages of these uh, of the word of God, and it's not hidden, it's right there for face value. God has placed all types of great spoil, the blessings, the providence, the protection of God. It's all there within the pages of God's word, but we let it sit on the coffee table between Sunday and Sunday. And we miss out on the great spoil that is there. Now, folks, if there's one lesson we've got to learn, it's obedience. God says, just do what I tell you. Some lessons are just taught. You think about the life of Job, and at the end of the story, the life of Job, oh, how Job was a success story. He went through a tough time. He had grief, and he had pain, but Job persevered and was successful, and the latter end was better than the beginning of Job. Why? Well, there's something interesting you'll find about Job. Job said that he esteemed the words of God's mouth more than his necessary food. Job says, I've got to have your word. Job says, I'm relying upon your word. And we see how Job's life ended. He found the blessings of God and the providence of God. Why? Because he says, you know, I'm just going to simply do what God says. I wonder this morning, Forrest Finn, the man who wrote the book, I wonder if we were to have him here behind this pulpit three times a week, giving clues out to where that treasure is at, I wonder what our attendance would be like. I bet you we'd have to sell tickets to get in here. Man, we had people, we don't have windows for people to be hanging out the window. We'd have people sitting in the choir all the time. Man, we'd have people taking notes. We'd have people locked in. I mean, folks, we'd, look, we'd be zeroed in. Why? Because we want the treasure that's going to come from the clues out of the book. And yet I want you to know, regardless of this preacher, what comes out of this book is worth way more than two and a half million dollars of gold. It's something that'll save your family. It'll save your home. It's something that could save this country. Most importantly, it's something that'll save your soul. But our problem is we simply don't want to do what God says. This is why James challenges us in verse 22 of chapter 1, to be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. You know, if I go and I read Forrest Finn's book and I read the book about how there's treasure out there and I read about what, what could be, but I never go out there, I'm never going to find it. Sooner or later, I've got to do something with what I'm reading. You see, the goal is not just to read through our Bibles in one year. It's to read and know what God wants us to do. All right? I mean, there's going to be, look, we can't plead ignorance when we get to heaven. Well, I didn't know. Oh, no, no, no. God says, I went through a whole lot of trouble to write you a book that contained everything you needed to know in there. And I preserved that book from you. Do you know how many people sought to destroy this book from, the, um, from planet Earth? This book has been attacked. This book has been, I remember old Voltaire, bless his heart. Voltaire says that he was going to rid the world of the word of God. And his house became a place where Bibles would one day be printed. God says, I went through a lot of trouble to write this book and to print this book and to preserve this book that you could have it. There's going to be no excuse when we stand before God that we didn't know what to do because God says, I simply told you. I spelled it out. Here's Abraham. Abraham's learning a valuable lesson that the way we find out what God wants is we just simply do what he said and do what we know to do. It's not a secret. God's already told us. I want to know, I've had people call me before, I have marriage troubles, I have kids troubles, I have this troubles, and I have addiction troubles and all of that. And I, I go ahead and tell them, look, most of the answers I'm going to give you are coming straight out of the Bible. Oh, because it works. So, well, no, no, I, I need this. And I, look, folks, I'm going to tell you, you can find what you need in there, but you've finally got to do what he says to do. The age-old story of the tortoise and the hare, I'll tell you this, and I'll give you the second thing. Do you know why the tortoise won? Do you know why the tortoise won? Because he just kept doing what he knew to do. 
That rabbit was start and stop and start and stop and start and stop. The reason the tortoise beat him was the tortoise just kept doing what he knew to do. Can I tell you, you may not be the most talented Christian. Matter of fact, you may be a tortoise Christian. I'm one of those. Maybe not as talented as the hare. But I'll tell you this, I see a whole lot more tortoise Christians getting things done because they just keep doing what they know to do. You want God to use you, just do what you know to do. Be a doer of the word, not a hearer only. Number one, some lessons are taught. Just do what God says. But turn with me, if you would, to chapter 22. Let's look at another lesson that Abraham was about to learn. Chapter 22. The Bible says, and it came to pass, verse 1, after these things that God did tempt Abraham or test him. And said unto him, Abraham, and he says, behold, here I am. He says, take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee. Uh, Verse 3, and Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went into the place of which God had told him. Now, lesson in chapter 22, this lesson is not quite as clear. The lesson in chapter 12 was very simple. God just says, I want you to go and and I will bless thee and I will make of thee a great nation. But now God's asking Abraham to do something that is not quite as understandable. He says, I want you to take your son, your only son, and sacrifice him on a mountain. Now, I hate to tell you, I'm just going to speculate for a moment. I can't help but believe in the heart of Abraham, question marks begin to pop up. Why? Why? What are you doing? If, if you're going to make a great nation out of me, I've got to have a son for that seed to come from. And now you're asking me to take my son, my only son, and you want me to sacrifice. It doesn't seem to make much sense, does it? And yet Abraham was obedient to God. Why? Number two, some lessons are taught. Number two, some lessons are caught. Some lessons have to be caught. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, this is something I'm very familiar with. God's not always going to spell out exactly what he's doing in your life. Sometimes God's just going to point in a direction and he expects us to follow, not necessarily knowing why or what he is doing. Sometimes learning what God wants is a process. Last year, the year before last, if you keep up the NBA, Philadelphia 76ers had a mantra or a uh, kind of a slogan that they kept uh, going by with throughout the season. It was trust the process. Trust the process. They were in a rebuilding process trying to get to an NBA championship, and they were adding players and drafting players and bringing in new players. They were slowly building the team that would one day, hopefully, not quite yet, be successful. And they kept telling their fan base, trust the process. It's not going to be an overnight thing. You're just going to have to stick with us. At the end of the journey, you'll understand. Can I tell you, there are going to be times throughout 2020 when God's not going to spell it out just clearly. God's going to point in the direction that he'd have us to go, and we simply must be obedient to what we know and trust him in faith for what we don't know. I remember when God was calling us here. Wasn't quite sure yet what God was doing, but I knew he was doing something. And God all requires us is to be obedient to the things which he has said, and then by faith trust him for what we don't know. I didn't know what God was doing, but that Holy Spirit in there can be convincing, can he? He stirs our heart and unsettles our nest and begins to know, hey, I'm doing something in there. Just trust what I'm doing. And I'll tell you, that's sometimes the hardest lesson to learn. See, lessons that are taught merely require obedience. 
Just do what he said. So easy. Just do what he says. But lessons that are caught are lessons that require faith. What is faith? Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things that we can't what? We can't see. Somebody asked me yesterday, I turned 40 yesterday, and uh, everybody's kind of, you know, poo-poo and 40. And I've told several people yesterday, I'm thankful to be 40. I'm thankful to be 40. I mean, there's a, you know, I, have, I had friends that, that went to heaven before they reached 40. I had friends who were no longer in the ministry before they reached 40. You know, I have folks whose marriage didn't make it till they were 40. I'm thankful to be 40. I know a good friend of mine who lost their spouse a couple of years ago. Pastor before he was 40 years old. And what a trial. What a trial for a wife to lose her husband. Pastor, wonderful, five children. And I would have loved to have gone to the funeral, and I did, but I love to go to the funeral and tell the wife, here's why this happened. But I did not have that answer. But I was reminded of a quote from Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon says this, God is too good to be unkind and too wise to be mistaken. And when we cannot trace his hand, we trust his heart. All of you thought that was a song. It was originally a quote from Charles Spurgeon. There are times as we will go into 2020 when the way will not be as clear as God just speaking down from heaven in a chapter 12 saying, get thee up out of thy country. It's not going to be something that's taught. It's something that's got to be caught. It's something that we're going to have to go through and just trust God for what we don't understand. I assure you there will be question marks in 2020. Well, we're just going to wish God would spell it out. Man, every year we go down to Disney World and there's a guy. Evidently, he must be rich because he flies over Disney World just like every day riding Jesus loves you in his airplane. Wouldn't it be neat if God did that? I would love that. Tomorrow morning I get up and I just go stand in my yard and drink my coffee and look up at the sky. What do you want me to do today? Oh, here he comes. Wouldn't that be great? But folks, sometimes God's will is not going to be as clear as others. We will go through things. We will experience things. We're not going to be sure. All that we know is God says, this is what I want you to do, and I'll show you why when you get there. Folks, that's for the lessons that are caught. And we've got to understand that as we come from 2019 to 2020, that whatever God leads us to do, and wherever God leads us to go, that we can trust him. We can trust him. God leads you to another state. God leads you to a mission field. Whatever God calls you to do, you can trust him. I think about Job, we spoke of a moment ago, Job went through a grueling process. Matter of fact, Job would go on to say, I think in chapter 23, when he hath tried me. Job says, I'm being tried. Can you imagine waking up one morning, all of your children are gone, all of your property is gone, and your wife has basically turned to atheist? Your, your life would be in a tailspin. What is going on? You're trying to find some solid ground to stand on. Here's Job trying to figure out what is going on in my life. He says, I'm being tried. You know what trying is? It's a process. Sometimes God takes us through the fire to refine us. Sometimes God leads us through uncertainty to refine us. Why? Because through that process, we learn to trust God for the things that we don't know. There's going to be some unknowns in 2020. And you say, Brother Jeremiah, do you know something you're not telling us? No, no, okay. Calm down, relax, okay. But they're always there. Why? Because without faith, it's impossible to please God, all right? That means there's going to be times in our service to God, we're not going to see the next step. But by faith, we simply trust him and be obedient to what we know. 
Job says, I'm being tried. I'm going through this process. Paul would go on to say this in Philippians chapter 4, a good verse for us all to learn. In fact, let's turn there together. Philippians chapter 4, let's turn there together. There's some neat stuff in the Bible when you read it. Philippians chapter 4, and look down. I think we're going to see verse 11. Yeah, let's look at verse number 11. Paul says this, not that I speak in respect of want. Uh Oh, watch close. For I have what? Learned. Paul says, I learned something. In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. Now, how did Paul get, isn't contentment a wonderful thing? I think we could all use a little bit of dose of contentment in 2020. How do we become content? Paul says, I had to learn it. Contentment is not something God's going to serve up on a silver platter and say, here, just drink it up. No, contentment is, a, is something that is learned. For I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. It's interesting when you look up the word learned, here's what it means, to accomplish by practice. To accomplish by practice. Paul did not become content overnight. He had to learn and go through some things. And oh, did Paul go through some things. But what was God doing? He was leading him through that process of learning so that he could learn how to be content. Old Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could cry out to God. They didn't, but they could cry out to God. God, it's getting hot down here. God says, trust the process. Trust the process. Abraham says, God, this is my son, my only son, Isaac, and you want me to kill him? God says, trust the process. God knows what he's doing. God knows where he's going. And all we have to do is go along for the ride, even when we don't see it. Think about others in the word of God. We see Joseph in the bottom of a pit. His scallywag brothers threw him down in a hole. I hope we don't have any brothers like that here in our church. Some of you maybe, but man, how bad you got to be to throw your brother down in a hole. And then worse than that, the only time they pulled him out of the hole was to sell him. I mean, he thought being in the hole was bad. Then they sold him. Imagine old Joseph probably got lonely. What's going on, God? God, I tried to be a good kid. Tried to be obedient to my dad. I tried to be obedient to what you showed me. And here now I'm going through all of this. And I think the Holy Spirit of God whispered in Joseph's heart, just trust the process. Just trust the process. You may not see what I'm doing, but I'm doing something. When it's all said and done, and as Joseph would sit on that throne, and here comes his brothers, not in spite, but God had sent them there, him there to preserve life. It became clear. Oh, I see what you were doing. God, I understand what you were doing. But he had to go through the process. Now, what's Abraham doing in chapter 22? He's going through a process. Now, I'll tell you this. You may not get the point of what God's doing. There are times I don't get it. There are times I don't get it. Look, you may be smarter than me, but I'll tell you, there are going to be times in your walk with God, you're not going to get it. God, I don't understand. I've told you so many times, my dear grandmother, one of the most godly people I've ever met, walked with God. Why did he take her at 52? I didn't understand that. God, she could have done a whole, there's a whole lot of other people. I could have made some good suggestions of people that could have took her place. Hey, man, some of you are looking at me like, oh, you know you could too. It's that person you're thinking about right now. I hope it's not me. Amen? Why? 
Why? I don't know. Trust the process. God knows what he's doing. Folks, listen. If we could trust God for the salvation of our soul, the most precious thing you have is your soul, then we can trust God for what we don't understand. So some lessons are going to be taught. God's going to spell it out. Some lessons are going to be caught, and we're just going to have to trust him. We're just going to have to trust him. Number three, go back to chapter 16. Now I'll let you go home. Chapter 16 if you get any of them, you need to get this one. Chapter 16, I want you to look down to something that, that we see here that is going to be tough to swallow, but it, we need to understand this. In chapter 15, this is where God had promised Abraham a son. Time went on and there was no son. And so in chapter 16, verse number one, Abraham and Sarah decide they're going to take matters into their own hands. Now, this is scary, okay? Trust the process. I'm just going to show you what happens when you don't trust the process. And you decide, you know what? I'm going to do my own thing. The Bible says in verse 1, Now Sarai's Abraham's wife, bear him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto him, Abraham, behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarai, to Sarah, his wife. Now, many of us, if you know the history of what is about to happen, she will give birth to a son by the name of Ishmael. And Ishmael would go on to be a scourge to the people of God to this day. So much what you see on the news with Iran and Iraq and Israel and Jordan and the bombs and all of those things is a direct result of the decision that's being made right here in chapter 16, verse 1, 2, and 3. And the rest of Abraham's life and his children's life and his grandchildren's life all the way down to present day, they would live with the consequences of a decision that Abraham's learning what we like to call the hard way so number three, the last lesson that we need to bring with us into 2020, the first is some lessons are taught. Let's just be obedient to what God said. That's an easy lesson to learn. Number two, some lessons are caught. We're not going to understand exactly what God's doing, but let's just trust that God knows what he's doing and go forward into uncertainty knowing the will of God will not fail. But then number three, notice that some lessons are bought. Some lessons are bought. We've heard that phrase before, there's no experience like bought experience. This is true. Have you ever broke something that was expensive? Had to pay for it. You ever did some of your own mechanic work and realized you were not a mechanic? <laughs> yeah. And you go, you go to the mechanic and you lie through your teeth. I don't know what happened to it. You know what happened to it. You and a hammer. That's what happened to it. And, and he says, why is there so much duct tape all over your transmission? Yeah, it was you, the hammer, and the duct tape. You tried to fix because you messed up. Gets expensive, doesn't it? So the true, true statement, there's no experience like bought experience, but here's my question. You better make sure you can afford it. Say, so, well, I learned things the hard way. Well, sometimes we do, but you shouldn't make that your default method of learning. For the child of God, you can simply learn by being taught. Just do what he says. You can learn by catching it, by being caught. Just trust God for what you don't know. But if you choose not to learn by being taught, and you learn not to catch the things that God tries to lead you into, then the only way for you to learn next is the lessons that are bought. And sometimes they can be expensive. Well, folks, I hate to tell you, but most of the time, this is how God's people seem to learn. We like to learn things the hard way. 
Abraham's children, listen, grandchildren. You know, I have learned this since, since uh, my mom and dad have had grandchildren. That uh, you grandparents, you turn into different people when you have grandchildren. You know, you go from strict disciplinarians to mush uh, in your grandchildren's hands. You know, I remember the first time I spatted Miley on the rear end in front of my dad. His face kind of turned red a little bit, flushed a little bit. He's over it now, all right? And I hope he swats her sometimes too because she needs it. Man, it was, it was different, you know? You, you see these grandparents going through all of that. You grandparents, I want you to think about your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren paying for something you chose to learn the hard way. You know, you, you might be able to say this morning, you know what? Uh, you know, I can live with the consequences. I had a lady tell me that on the phone one day. I will live with the consequences of my disobedience. I wanted to pull the phone away from my head because I was afraid the lightning might travel through my phone and get me too. She says, I will live with the consequences of my disobedience. And sure enough, she gets to decide that. But then the question comes in, can she live with her children and her grandchildren and her great-grandchildren suffering from the decisions of her disobedience? Listen, Abraham's children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren all the way today are living with the lesson that Abraham bought. And oh, my soul, is it costly. Now, folks, the question this morning is how are we going to learn I know we want to turn our back on 2019, fresh start, clean slate, let's move forward, but let's move forward with lessons from 2019, that hey, obedience is the key to God's blessings, that by faith I can trust God for what I don't know, or else we're going to be resolved to repeat the past. The children of Israel, how many times did God show them his miracles? How many times did God show them his blessings and his providence? And yet they just kept pushing him and tempting him. And finally, Numbers chapter 14, verse 22 and verse 23. He says, you've tempted me these 10 times. Tempted me these 10 times. He says, surely you're not going to see the promised land. You're going to miss it. Why? He says, you never learned. You never learned. I gave you 10 chances and you didn't learn. And they would live the rest of their life paying the price for that bought experience. So real quickly this morning, I wonder whether or not we will learn simply from what he said. Could we not just this morning, this first Sunday of 2020, to say, you know what, going into 2020, let's carry with us the lesson that obedience to God's word works. Can I tell you something? I double dog, triple dog dare you to try it. You know, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. It didn't say taste and see if you like it. It's like chocolate. Once you taste it, you're going to like it. But you got to try it. All right? Taste and see that it's good. Obedience works. But faith works too. Let's just have faith for what we don't know. Or else we're going to be destined to learn the last lesson that Abraham learned that some lessons are bought. Before we go, I would, I would not be... A loving pastor, if I did not share with you that there are lessons you can learn on the other side of this life. We see the rich man learning this lesson the hard way. The sad thing is the rich man that's in hell today who rejected Christ is paying for something and will pay for it all throughout eternity that was free. He's paying for something that's free. Isn't that horrible when you find out something you've already paid for they're giving away to other people? <clears throat> You take it back with your receipt and get a refund and then get it free again. 
We were at Disney World a couple years ago. We got free dining. That's when I go, free dining, free food, two of the best word combinations in the world. I'm sitting there looking at the man. He had a USM polo on. And I looked at the guy. I said, this free dining is great, isn't it? I get excited about food, you know. And we're sitting there, and we're going to go into a big buffet with crabs and steak and all that. And I said, this free dining is great. He goes, what? I said, you didn't get the free dining? I felt bad then for bringing it up. He says, no, I didn't know. I said, oh, I hate that. So he went in, and he ate the same thing I ate. He just paid dearly for it. And I got it for free. Can I tell you that salvation this morning is free? The Bible says free gift. That's what Jesus Christ came and lived and died and rose again to pay for it for me and for you. But you can choose this morning, you know, I'm going to reject that. And look, you can pay for it yourself, but you'll pay it in eternity in a devil's hell. This morning, that's one lesson you can't afford to buy. And Jesus has already paid for it for you. If you're here today and you don't know for sure you're saved, you're not sure that if you died right now that you're going to heaven, I want to encourage you. I'll take the word of God. Some of these men will take the word of God. Some of our ladies, they'll take the word of God and show you how you can know for sure that heaven's your home. That's something you won't have to buy because it's already been paid for you. But what about it, Christian? Are you going to bring with you lessons from 2019 or are you going to repeat 2019 and 2020? I don't know about you, but I want to carry with me the lesson that obedience to God's word works, that faith of the uncertainty works, that we will not have to buy the lessons the hard way this morning. Our heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Let's stand together. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. No one is looking around. Three lessons on life. Please remember these. Number one, some lessons are taught. 